Welcome to chapter 40 of Only Half the Story podcast. This is where we interview the most passionate of the passionate people of those who are on the pursuit of achieving their goals and dreams. On today's episode, we have Sam Kahane. And Sam is a great friend. He is originally from Boston, Massachusetts, and now currently resides in the Bay Area, living the Silicon Valley dream. And in this episode, we cover stories on top of stories that I guarantee will keep you entertained. So please help me welcome Sam Kahane to the show. My name is Andrew Haft. This is only Half the Story Podcast, and let chapter 40 begin. One quick side note before chapter 40 begins, only half the story podcast for pennies is alive and well. Every time you listen to an episode of this show, three whole pennies will be donated to safespace.org in effort to support mental health. So please help us reach our goal of 100,000 downloads. That's $3,000 in effort to support this great cause. So enough with the introduction and let chapter 40 begin. Ladies and gentlemen, how are you doing? Sam Kahane. Hey everybody, this is Sam Kahane coming to you live on the Cube. You've done this before. Never a podcast. Never a podcast, but you you're you're on on the big screen quite often. I wouldn't say quite often, but I've been on the Cube a couple times. What is the Cube? The Cube is ESPN for tech. Welcome to San Francisco. You're watching The Cube, the ESPN of tech. We go to over 100 events per year, interviewing the coolest people in technology, Michael Dell, Malcolm Gladwell. You met him personally? I mic'd him up. Really? So I put a a headphone on Michael Dell's ear. No way. Pretty cool, right? Michael Dell, what a significant character. Dude, he is a... he is extremely extroverted and one of the most awesome social guys I've met in tech. I would imagine. I would imagine because Dell computers. I'm I'm not a work in tech, but I would imagine like what he has to talk about is so deep and granular in the tech world. I did an internship at Gartner. I'm probably I'm I'm sure you're familiar with him. Of course, Gartner. The, the magic quadrants, right? <laughs> Cubes. That's what they're famous for. I didn't get the job offer. I did an internship there, though. What, uh, what'd you do with Gardner? Uh, it was sales. It did was you like, like it? Business development. I actually did not like it. I loved the people that work there. That was like the selling point. They're like, oh, come work here. It's kind of like a zone fraternity. Yeah. It was in Fort Myers, Florida. And it was sick. They housed us in these dorms, like right, like two miles away from the, the campus. Right. So it was like one of those Google internships that you saw in the movie with Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson. And there was just like 40 interns all living in these dorms. And we were just partying, working, and having a great time. But in the meanwhile, making cold calls. (laughs) So did you want to work there after the internship? No. No. I like wanted to get the job offer for the fact that I like did the internship and got offered a job going into my senior year. So it was like an ego thing. Yeah. But... Did I want to work there? No, man. I don't, I don't get it. There's people out there who do work at a cube. 
Not obviously the <laughs> cube, but like, do you work at a cubicle? Uh, I kind of work. I don't work in a cubicle, but I have in the past. At IBM, I worked in a cubicle. How do you feel about that? It's pretty lonely, to be honest. I'm a very extroverted guy, so staying in a cubicle really drains my energy. I would think so. You seem like a high-level energy kind of guy, and I feel like you need to be moving around, talking to people face-to-face, and not just over the phone making calls. Yeah, but I feel like it's not just the cubicle. It's the current state of work. So nowadays, everyone's sucked into their computer, right? Mm -hmm. And whether you're sucked into your computer or you're in a cubicle, no matter what, you're isolated. You know, even when I'm not in a cubicle and I'm sitting there on my computer, I feel disconnected to the people around me just because... If I talk to them, I'm not doing the work that needs to be done. And they kind of sell you on that life based off the culture that they have in the office. Right. And, yeah, it's a cool camaraderie type of office environment where you're good buddies with your coworkers. But day to day, you are you got the headset on, you're making calls, and you're, you're zoned into the computer. If it's a sales job, if it's any other job, it's just looking at the computer. It's so tough. It's such a trade-off, right? Like you want to bond with your coworkers. You want to have fun at the job. But at the same time, every minute you're doing that, I feel that I'm doing my job worse because I'm supposed to be talking to clients, whether it's on the phone, whether it's emailing. So every second I'm not doing that, I feel like I'm, I, what am I doing? And I'm then, wasting time, yeah. And then the competition comes into play. Because if you see two of your coworkers talking to each other, you're like, oh, well, well, that's 10 minutes they just wasted. I made 10 more dials, and here we are. (laughs) Maybe that's the key to uh, being the top sales rep right there. Maybe that's why he didn't get the Gartner job. (laughs) Too much time talking to people. Yeah, (laughs) honestly. (laughs) But, like, that was the thing. They wanted us to, like, become part of their culture, so they wanted us to mingle, yet we had a quota and had to hit our number. It was challenging. It was like my first introduction into the sales world, and yeah. it was tough. I feel like a lot of people go through something similar, whether you join an IBM, a Gartner, an Oracle, a GE, any big company. Yeah. You got to find that balance, and it's tough to find your place in a big company as well. well. What was working at IBM like? You know, it was interesting. Yeah. Uh, so I was the first person in my family to ever work at a big corporation, so it was very hyped up. Um, so my mom, super proud of me. My dad, who's a teacher, thrilled that I got this job. It was more money than both my parents were making combined. So coming in, I felt unbelievably blessed. And I also kind of felt like I didn't belong there. You know, I was like, what did I do to deserve this? Wow. How did you get the job? What was that like? So the job, it started with a guy named Chris Dragoon, actually. Came through the fraternity. Chris Dragoon, shout out. Thank you, my man. <laughs> so Chris connects me to this lady, Diane Dunkel. Diane ran the sales team in Littleton, Massachusetts. Was this in college? This is in college. So you went to Elon, right? Elon, North Carolina. There it is. There it is. There it is. Are you guys in the March Madness tournament? Are we good at basketball? No. No? <laughs> <laughs> I wish we were, but we are it's not. It's okay. Our, our Arizona Wildcats aren't doing too hot this year either, so I feel your pain. <laughs> but yeah, so you're in the sales like sales club, sales organization at Elon, and that's I actually wasn't. Oh, okay. So I studied marketing. Okay. Really wanted I loved acting. I studied marketing. I always thought I would end up acting or being commercials or something along those lines. And I almost did take a job in LA helping to produce the news. Really? 
but it was a big risk. And my mom literally called me and said, Sam, if you do that and don't take this IBM job, I'm calling you a psychologist. That is absolutely crazy. Just because of the money? Because of the money and there was just so much risk associated with the other job. So I would be living, I had been connected to this guy who produces the news in LA. So I'd be living in his back house, uh, which is pretty cool. You know, he would be taking me under his wing. But there was a, I would have to wake up for the morning news. That's One factor. It's pretty early, huh? Have to get there around five. The pay is nowhere near as close as IBM. And my family is thinking, look, Sam, you take this IBM job, you're set for life. Wow. And I kind of feel like in a way it did put me on a really good, you know, spot to start my career. It's a big, it's a big jump. You know, the fresh out of college, first job that that's like, if you get a nice position fresh out of college, you're like a step ahead. It's a nice comfort zone. You know, like if you're breaking that six figures when you're 23, like that's huge. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's pretty competitive. I think that there was 10,000 people who applied and only 120 to 150 got into the program. Wow. What did you do to se- separate yourself? It's it's funny. It's a lot of networking stuff. Yeah. It's a lot of these little things like uh being <laughs> it sounds funny but like homecoming king in college. Uh being on student government, vice president of the class. You're talking about Elon basketball. I was in charge of the student section there. The fire oh, pits. Oh, so you were the guy. <laughs> you were the kid to know. Yeah, you were like the face fun. of the student body. <laughs> Not the face, but uh, you know that that was my that's my niche. You know, it's uh, being social, being connected, networking, understanding people. That was my big differentiator. I definitely didn't have the highest grades. Definitely didn't go to the best school. Um, I feel like Elon's a good school. It's a good school, but like I. The other people in this program, you know, a lot of MBAs. Oh, with it, for IBM? Leagues. Yes. Yeah, so what made you not feel like you belong there? So there's a specific moment I always go back to. Uh, so I would wear a full, really nice suit every day. And I was walking through the Cambridge Galleria. It's a mall. Okay. And I was working in Cambridge at the time. And I was just walking down through the hallway, and I just saw all these people who just of all walks of life. Uh, the person at Dunkin' Donuts, the person at Zoomies, other people in the mall. And I was like, I'm not I, – I felt like they were, were judging me because I was dressed so nice. And I just felt like I did – I didn't feel like I belonged, like I was faking that these clothes were trying to make me better than I am. Does that make sense? That makes sense. I felt like I didn't deserve to have more money than these people. I didn't deserve to be wearing this super nice suit. It was this weird feeling. I'd yeah. isolated myself by becoming on my way to success. That's interesting to to observe about yourself. You're very self-aware in that aspect. That's really cool. I feel yeah. like a lot of people in those in, in those types of situations would just ride the ego wave. And, yeah, and not and not put themselves under a humble umbrella. Yeah, it's more fun dumbing it down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I but, mean, I'm sure you deserve to be there. 
you were yeah, there. Of course. Because like I have my doubts too, and whenever I'm in a position of doubt, I'm like, you know, like I did something right to be in this position right now. So don't doubt yourself. Truth. But when you're in an environment where like the next closest five people around you are MBA grads, business executives, have been doing this for 15 years. Yeah, it's easy to feel out of out of the loop and and not and feel like you don't belong there. Right, because it's crazy to just go from like middle class to just getting upgraded to making a ton of money fresh out of college. And it's just like this weird, it's this weird feeling where you don't even want it. You're just like, I just want to be normal again. <laughs> Do you feel like your life changed that much? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did. Wow. That's crazy. That is crazy. I will say, like, I'm trying to see how I can relate to this. But after, like, working for a few amount of years and, and making money now and, and enjoying life, I feel like there's a level of stress that doesn't necessarily have to do with financials that's, like, on my back at all times. And that's a good feeling. And to have that feeling fresh out of college when most people are still hustling to pay rent. Right. And you know, you got that covered right away. Yeah, it, it was a pretty amazing feeling. I paid off my student loans in three months. Holy uh, shit. It allowed me to travel quite a bit. And then it allowed me to take a huge risk in my career because I had built a financial cushion. So I ended up you know, taking a huge pay cut for my next job. Wow. Let's talk about the travel. I know that I know that's something you're passionate about. Where have you been? Oh yes, I love talking about travel. <laughs> <laughs> it gets me really jacked up. Um, Fired up here. I've been to Asia. Um, I've been to Thailand, Bali, South Korea. Been to Israel, New Zealand, Australia. Mexico, all around the U.S. I did a road trip through the U.S. Lived in Lyon, France for three months. No way. What uh, What do you want to dig into? You tell me. What was the coolest part of that? Of living in France? Yeah. So Lyon, France. Was this all post-college? Lyon, France was study abroad in college. Okay. Junior year. Okay. Because I, I, to, to segue from traveling, because here's, here's my battle. Yeah. I have all these travel ambitions. Right. Who has the time to take that much time off from work to go on some kind of three-month trip? You know, like, is that even feasible? Not today. At least not for me. Yeah, it's tough. You know, there's a lot of different ways to travel. Um, and sometimes, you know, you can... Depends on your goals, right? Like, you could slowly knock stuff off. You know, maybe have a work trip to Europe, and then you extend and do two weeks there. Yeah, uh, or you could, you know, take a little hiatus from your job, you know, work for a while, get to a point where you're comfortable and say, Hey, I'm going to take, you know, three, six, nine, whatever months off and make your dreams come true. And that's something I think about a little bit as well. See, for me, that's intimidating. Why? I think I listen to one too many motivational speeches yeah. that say you're always replaceable. So <laughs> <laughs> in the office. <laughs> on the sports roster, you're always replaceable. So, like, every single day I wake up and I'm fired up, like, today's going to be as if it was, like, my last day on the job. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, to have that mindset where you're going to take a hiatus and just go travel, the fear of what am I going to do afterwards comes into my head. 
And now that I have a steady thing going, obviously only half the story is booming. Oh yeah, <laughs> baby. <laughs> but <laughs> but to, to take a to take a pause from this to go have fun, there's like an opportunity cost associated with it. I have mm. a I have like a, a mindset of like I'm gonna work and when the work is done, I'm gonna do what I wanna do. But when's the work done? That's the million dollar question. So I think it comes down to goal setting, right? Okay. Like if you set a goal that said, I'm going to hit this number this year, then the work's done. You know, you did it. Then you should feel okay with traveling, especially if you make traveling a goal. You know, if you, like your goals don't all have to be work-related. For me, you know, a big part of my goals is travel. I want to go to these countries. I want to experience this. So maybe you just have to, transition your uh priorities a little bit switch your goals this is a nice therapy session right now <laughs> i'm learning a lot here that's why that's why you invited me here <laughs> Therapist I, just, Sam. I need to talk through all my problems <laughs> but what was the coolest part about france thailand bali give me some highlights so france was a pretty wild experience um so i lived in lyon france the second biggest city for a little over three months and I am a Jewish man. I was staying in a Catholic dorm that was very strict. Really? It was run by very religious people who did not speak any English. They don't speak English in France. When they, I went to Paris, I was turned off by the fact that no one spoke English, nor no one was willing to speak English. Yeah, they did. They think that you should be, and I get it, but it, like you're a visitor in their land. You should know their language. They're not going to change for you. Get off your high horse. Right? It makes it tough. It makes yeah. it really tough. Yeah. So me, as a like I said, extremely extroverted, very American. I was wearing jerseys around France, a hat. <laughs> this is <laughs> – I stuck out like a sore thumb. And so I had a very interesting experience where I couldn't talk to people, which, was, which I was used to. I also ha was so broke and food was so expensive. Um, and then I lived in an international dorm with people from all around the world. Uh, and it, it, was, it was just a crazy, experiential, fun time, just awesome time in my life. My best friend was a guy from Germany, a couple people from Newfoundland, a couple guys from Brazil. Uh, and we just traveled all through Europe, went on a hilarious nights out in the city. And my goal when I was there was just to experience everything possible. I actually went out every single day. For three and a half months except for five really on, on mondays it was columbia night so i went out with my friends from columbia on tuesdays we'd go to this place ayers rock and i i just wanted to get to know everyone in europe and understand their stories and travel everywhere while I, while i had the opportunity you're an inspiration because i feel like for myself and for many others to get out there that often and to make that a priority is challenging like I'm a homebody at heart. Like, <laughs> like, turn on a movie. Like, let's post up. I'm chilling. And to get out there for three months straight. Three months straight. Well, I guess, yeah, when you're traveling, it's a little bit different. And you, like, you know there there's a timeline. But that's fucking cool, man. It was exhausting. Was but it? I learned so much in that three months. Yeah. I it was imagine. extremely exhausting. Give me, give me, like, a story where... Who was like the most interesting guy you met or girl, whoever it was? 
that just like threw threw you away that like the fact that that conversation was just life changing yeah so I really loved these two guys, Pedro and Flavio from Brazil, two of my really good friends. And it was just their demeanor and way to, of connecting with people was just incredible. So you'd have a conversation with them just like you and I are having. And their eye contact was perfect. It was like soft and it was just <laughs> like very, invi- <laughs> very inviting, it not, but not in a sexual way. but like it it just like it it, you wanted to open up and just like hang out with these guys more they had a great uh a great way of carrying themselves that you don't see in america you know everyone in america is very very rushed and the conversations seem like very business or a little fake and these were just very genuine and i tried to take that away from having them as friends yeah definitely business oriented fast concise to the point conversations here yeah maybe that has to do with co-worker conversations maybe that has to do with personal conversations but if, if i'm just gonna see a random person on the block i'm probably not gonna start a conversation with that person right i think it's our pay our pace of life yeah, we're pretty we're pretty fast moving here right everyone has somewhere to be something to do but i kind of like it that way I feel productive that way. Yeah. You know? But to to stop and smell the roses and just strike up a conversation with... The thing about foreigners that I realized when I went to Europe, they travel so much more than we do. Right. They work for six months, travel for six months. Work for six months, travel for six months. Here, it's like pulling teeth to get me on an airplane that's going to force me to take PTO. And maybe that has to do with my personality. But it's kind of the truth. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you feel like you've performed fairly well in your job? Do you feel like you've built a resume that would be appealing to another company? I'd like to think so. So if that's the case, right, you've performed well, then I feel like you could definitely... I mean, you just said every foreigner travels for six months, comes back. You could definitely take six months off and come back to an equal, if not better, job. I have no doubt. Booking the trip right now. (laughs) Right? I hope hope my boss isn't hearing this. Especially with your (laughs) podcast? It's booming. It's booming. Tim Ferriss, watch out, man. Yeah, company culture is going to skyrocket with you on board. Company stock is going to skyrocket. Give me some equity, dog. <laughs> right? Give me some equity. I'll buy in right now. There it is. A there half is. stock. You're uh, you're quite the spin instructor. I went to one of your classes not too long ago. It's probably the best workout I've had in forever. <laughs> in forever. In a while. But thank you for coming. It was it was epic. You want to talk about it a little bit? Of course. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> of course. So I walk into this gym. It's like this little small bike studio with spin cycles it's where it was mission cliffs right mission cliffs so So it's it's one of uh it's a super famous rock climbing gym here in san francisco and uh it's pretty wild i actually just found this stat out yesterday from kevin beach so outside they have this huge bike rack you remember that bike rack yeah it's actually the biggest they call it a bike corral biggest bike corral in the united states which wow. means that these people are intense about biking. 
<laughs> These are intense bikers. And you're leading the pack. Coming to the spin studio Thursday mornings, Sam Kahane has got you covered. <laughs> you're in for the workout of your life. Man, I live for Thursdays. It is my favorite thing in the world to do. It fits your personality. Thank you. It goes with the extrovert Sam Kahane that you're describing. God, it just feels so good out there. How do you get into that? Were so you, it's yeah. Were you always a spin instructor? So it started back in college. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh, it's actually added to the resume. Yeah, it's actually a pretty cool story. Uh, it changed my whole life. So I went to Elon University, as we talked about. There is a group exercise program there, and it was all girls except for one teacher, Eric Higby. Eric Higby was like this epic yoga and spin teacher. And he was a senior at Elon, and he was in my fraternity. And I go to a bunch of Eric's classes, and Eric's like, Sam, I think you'd be a really good replacement for me to be the only guy on staff. And I, at this point, I had no experience. You know, I, and I was nervous. I was like, I, I don't know how to teach yoga. I don't know how to do I've done spin, but I can't lead a class. And then Allison Merrill, my girlfriend now, but not at the time, we were really good friends. And Allison loved the idea. She was like, Sam, yes, you should teach. You'd be amazing at it. Allison believed in me. Uh, thank you, Allison, for getting me started on this. So Allison and I would train. She, I would go to her place in Oak Hill, and we would just practice different <laughs> cueing techniques. One, two, three. You know, different <laughs> breathing. <laughs> on a bike? Like, you guys would just be, like, hanging out in the living room. I'm trying to picture this in my head right now. It was in her living room. Like, we'd have music blasting. We'd be working on different routines. All right, guys. And up the mountain we go. <laughs> One, two, three. Turn that resistance up. <laughs> Let's go. Dude, it was, it was ridiculous. Uh, I actually – so I train with Allison, and then we have the audition, the big moment. And I come out to <laughs> bring it on the cheerleading movie. They have this song, and I start tapping my foot and looking back at everyone. And I have a windbreaker on. I whip off the windbreaker, blow my whistle, get all the teachers up and moving. And uh, that's how it started. And you did that in the class that I went to, which I loved. Oh, yeah. So we were warming up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. We were warming up, and you had this sweater on. And, you know, we are getting loose, breaking a sweat. <laughs> but then next thing you know, the tempo and the music just went up, like 10 notches. And then all of a sudden, you take off your jacket, and you just got so much more into it. It was, <laughs> it was the most epic experience I've ever had. The warm-up is over, everybody. Let's go. Everybody up. <laughs> <laughs> And not only that, it was the part where you were pedaling, but you weren't holding on to anything. You were you were like standing pedaling, and you had to use your core to balance you out. Mm -hmm. That was tough. That you was hard. You did well. That was hard. <laughs> I was I was struggling. Oh, man, you got to come back. I'm coming back. I'm your next loyal customer. You got a team too. Like they come weekly. Dude, we're starting to build a real good community. We're actually doing a bike ride to Point Reyes. I've always wanted to go. We're doing an overnight bike ride in a couple weeks, which I did invite you to. I'm going. You're going? Yeah, I'm getting my bike fitted right now as we speak. All right. Bring it in, bro. Bring it in. Yeah, I'm uh, training for an Ironman. 
Yeah. I'm uh, not savvy on the bicycle. I'm savvy in the spin class, but the bicycle is a whole new story. And I, it's uh, I'm going to need your guidance, to say the least. So when, uh, when are you going to be up and running on that bike? Hopefully by next week. I had to get it fitted, and then he had to order some parts, so that delayed the process. I was going to pick it up this past Friday, and that was the reason why I couldn't ride with you today. Dude, I will help train you. Yeah. You got running and swimming. You're going to have to look elsewhere. I'm sure you got that. But the biking, let's have some fun. I'll be your guy for that. Well, here's the thing. And tell me if any of the listeners relate to this. If you're on a road bike, tires are super thin. It's meant to go fast. But the thing is that it's such a small bike and so light, I feel like one pebble, you're fucked. You're gone. (laughs) <laughs> and that thought and that concept freaks me out. And like, let's say like going uphill, I have no problem. Cause I feel like I have a lot of control on the bike going downhill is a whole new beast. So I've biked a lot. And I see, I understand your fear, <laughs> empathy with the customer. However, Andrew, you gotta, I've been biking for a really long time. I have never hit a rock and tumbled on the road bike. The bigger fear, I don't want to freak you out anymore. It's going to hit a car or something. It's just, it's the clips. It's like, uh, cause you're clipped in when you're an experienced biker, usually. Yeah. And I got the clips. You got clips. And, uh, if someone stops like right in front of you, there's a, you only have a quick, you know, millisecond basically to unclipped or you're falling over. So that happens more often than hitting a rock. Yeah. The rock is a little dramatic, but. And honestly, I went over a big stick today. You'll be fine. You, you don't fly off. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I appreciate the comfort. Of course. <laughs> I'm going to need it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for the viewers, can we watch you do this Iron Man? For the viewers? <laughs> the I listeners. The listeners. Can we watch? I think you'd have to go to Santa Cruz, September 8th. Where is it? Santa Cruz. Oh, let's do it. Yeah. But could you watch it live, like on a screen? I don't think that's possible. It would be cool if you uh, had a live stream, like you had a camera hooked up to you and you were as you were doing it we could all watch live like in a viewing party somewhere i think you can track the progress of the race like if i were to give people my bib number Hmm. like there's probably a website you can track it because i know that's a thing for like half marathons and marathons so i don't know if this is a thing but do people gamble and make bets on the top you know triathletes in the world people doing these races i feel like that could be uh, an interesting area to gamble on to gamble on i don't know i'm sure people do i feel like you got to be in a different arena are you a gambler i'm not yeah neither am i i feel like if you were to gamble on the sport of triathlon i mean that's an exciting sport it i can is. see that on tv but i That'd feel like awesome. it's also very predictable on who's gonna win uh okay you know what i mean I feel like there's like a lot of like the same five to eight guys in the top yeah, pack. But isn't the Tour de France the same way? You know, isn't a marathon the same way where everyone's predicting, you know, these guys are most likely going to win? I don't think a triathlon So it's any like you're going to pick one of the three people who are most likely predicted to win. Do they? Yeah. But then the odds will be really, really low or really high. I don't even know. <laughs> I just think it'd be a really fun spectator sport. With cameras, and I can yeah. see people getting into it. I, so could I. The thing about triathlon and, like, endurance sports, it's not viewer-friendly. Like, it's not fun to watch. 
I mean, like, you could find amusement by it, and I hear what you're saying. Yeah. But the reason why I feel like it's not a popular sport is because it's not exciting. It's not like Conor McGregor in the UFC. He's going to fuck somebody up and then, like, go ape shit on the crowd. That's exciting. Everyone is so serious in endurance sports. Like, you don't, you're not smiling. You're not even having fun. You're in pain. And you're just trying to book it through this race. It's, like, such a personal challenge. So is that is that why you love it? Yeah. 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 Having the goal and then accomplishing it? Yeah. That's like that's like the goal oriented Andrew Half that I was describing earlier. But like with endurance sports, like you set out a target like twenty six point two miles, thirteen point one, in this case seventy point three. Do you ever get a feeling of euphoria when you're doing that? For example, when I'm in spin class, I am feeling unbelievable. Like it's so when we're going together and like the beat drops and we're all sprinting and we're all completely like in it at the same time, it's the best feeling in the world. And it's cause you're going for hours on end. I'm curious. Are you having that at all? Am I happy or like, are ha- you having that Am I experience? Having it? Yeah. It's honestly like it's a high. Yeah. Like you get in such a zone to the point where like it stops becoming painful and starts being really enjoyable. But it it takes a a long time to get there. Like, you're just in this this zone that I can't even describe. It's just like this this mental state that you're in. And you're kind of, it's kind of like euphoric, honestly. There was a Joe Rogan podcast not too long ago with Connor O'Brady. Have you heard of this guy? Mm -mm. So he walked across Antarctica carrying a 300-pound sled. Broke the world record. First person to ever do it. Dang. And he was saying... Like, for mile, I mean, I don't even know how long Antarctica is, but he did it over 52 days. In the last three days, he crushed out, I think it was like 32 miles, took him three days, and he did that, like, without stopping. Without stopping. And he was saying... No sleep. The reason for that was because he was in such, like, a mental... I don't even know what to call it, but he was in, like, the most perfect mental state where he was just in. He was in it, and they're like he was just like on this flow state, nothing getting in his way. That's what you gotta get, man. That's yeah. the, that's the mental state you need. Exactly, exactly. But along with the spin class, you're uh, I don't know, you're you and Kevin Beach got this bike tour going on. I'm excited to hear about this. Yeah, I wished you uh, could have joined us today. It was pretty awesome. Uh so the bike tour. For those of you who don't know, it's called the SF Bike Tour. We got an Instagram. You can follow us on it. And it's an Airbnb experience. And the way it came about is in San Francisco, we have awesome weather. Uh, and every weekend, Kevin and I, Kevin was my four-year college roommate. I live with Kevin, one of my best friends. Uh, Kevin and I were like, what sh- we kept saying, what should we do today? And we kept deciding that there'd be nothing more fun then just going on an epic bike ride through the city. And then people kept asking us, hey, what are you guys doing? And we would say, we are going on a 25-mile ride, a 30-mile ride. Do you want to come? And they would come with us, and they were having the best time. And they kept saying, we should have our buddies do this with us the following week. And it just became a thing. And you know, we are like, what if we could offer this up to people who are visiting the city as a way to see the city? And then we came across Airbnb experiences as a channel and a platform to do that. And it's been a blast ever since. 
So people who are tourists here, they mm-hmm. go on Airbnb experiences and they just see Kevin and Sam bike ride experience, SF bike tour. SF bike tour. And they just book a trip. Book a trip. Wow. You prob- it's that easy. You probably have some some interesting people on this trip with you, especially if they're foreign. Yes. We uh we today we had someone from the Caribbean uh who absolutely loves San Francisco. Awesome guy, Steven. Thanks for doing the SF bike tour. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we had a guy from Norway, Frodo. Incredible biker. Actually, better than Kevin and I, which was a first. Uh, the week before with that, we had two guys from San Diego. We had a girl from China right before that. So we've had an uh, amazing mix of people. And it's really interesting. And it's actually growing our network a little bit. Yeah. Like uh, if I ever go to China, I would probably ask this girl if we could stay with her for a day or two and uh, same like these guys in san diego we had an absolute blast it was a torrential downpour and we were like should we call it off this is too much and these guys huge outdoor fanatics like surfers snowboarders and like no let's let's do this so we're going over the golden gate bridge storming we're having the time of our lives and they were like hey let's get some burritos it's on us we go to la taqueria my favorite burrito spot. They've never had it before. We're going there after this, Andrew. I'm bummed that we're not eating a burrito while we're doing this podcast. I know. The we're, line was too we long. We were going to give like a whole full-blown burrito analysis. And I know you are a man of their burritos. I am. <laughs> There's nothing I love more. If it, <laughs> God, that's a whole other podcast. If you want to dig in, I love La Taqueria. Go there, get the El Dorado-style burrito. S- super with avocado. It's incredible. Uh, but, yeah, the SF Bike Tour is an absolute blast. Oh, man. And it's fun just running a company with your best friend. Yeah. It's a cool side hustle. I'm all about the side hustles. Do you have any side hustles going on besides this? Besides this? It's it's kind of work, Iron Man podcast. That's, that takes up quite some time. Yeah. Calendar is pretty booked because of those hobbies. It's interesting. it's interesting (laughs) but it's cool i mean like this podcast has grown my network tenfold yeah and especially when you move to a new city like when you came to san francisco for the first time how many people did you know beforehand just you and kevin a a handful It it was pretty small a handful did you find that it was easier to meet people now that you were in a new city because you knew those handful of people to begin with definitely yeah, Kevin had a pretty big network when I got here. Oh, he was already out here. So he'd already been out here for a while. Okay. I also had work. And then it's also interesting moving to a city with a significant other. Uh, so I moved here with Allison, my girlfriend. And, you know, I feel like we already had a real strong network. You know, like it was Allison, Kevin, and I are really good friends. And then we had, you know, 10 other people out here who we were all close with. So it, it wasn't hard. I didn't feel like I needed to make new friends when I was here. It just happened organically. Yeah, no, dude. That's like the most ideal situation. It was good. Yeah, but if you were to move to a new city and you didn't know a soul, this podcast is a cool way to meet people. Definitely. Has Yeah, that's actually an interesting idea. Yeah. Invite someone on, ask if they have good referrals. That's what it's all about. Get connected that way. Keep I, it. I will be asking you for a referral. I'm just going to throw that out there now. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, 
So if I give, can I give you two real quick? Go for it. Uh, Kevin Beach, who I've been talking about. We've been in communication. He's Good. coming on. He uh he just did a very interesting movement class. You guys can dig into that. He did an alt MBA, which is interesting. And then my girlfriend Allison, uh, she was just top salesperson at her company and was on NBC World of Dance. Oh, she has a crazy story. Uh, there she would be a really good guest. Wow, top salesman and on NBC saleswoman. I should saleswoman. Say. Excuse us. Yeah, with Jennifer Lopez, she was on with Neo. No way. She just made a pretty big music video. So she's a dancer. She's a dancer. That's impressive. And a seller. <laughs> and a, it's the most important skill. <laughs> of course. You can't be a dancer if you can't sell it. Right? Yeah. Your personal brand. Personal you sell brand. yourself. Exactly. <laughs> Dude, so something I want to bring up right now is the fundraiser that this podcast has become. Because I don't know if you knew this, but everyone who tunes into this episode, little do they know they're donating three pennies. Actually... If I'm being honest, <laughs> it it was at three, and then it dropped down to two, and I'm pretty bummed out about it, but one of our sponsors left us. I'm not going to say who, because I don't want to be butthurt about it, but Squarespace left the show. <laughs> 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 so now it is just Anchor and the Black Tux, who are sponsoring the show and supporting our great cause. So listeners of the show, if you just press play, you're donating two pennies now, to an organization here in the Bay Area. It's called Safe Space. And it's an effort to support mental health. So my question to you, Sam, is throughout your entire endeavors, all of your pursuits, all of your passions, I'm curious, where, do, where does the topic of mental health play into all of this? Hmm. That's a great question and also an amazing cause. Um, when you say mental health, what uh, can you dig a little deeper? It's such a vast topic. Suicide prevention, but ultimately just like a healthy mental state of mind. I feel like we've this is kind of the bridge I'm trying to cross here and tying tying the fundraiser to the podcast where if you're pursuing your passion, you're doing what you love, I find it very difficult to be suffering mentally. And that's what this podcast is all about, talking about your passions. And I met the people at Safe Space not too long ago. It was awesome. We gave him $200 based off our first seven months of listeners. Wow. And I had no idea how prevalent suicide was. No idea. I was mind blown. I was kind of like in shock, like really like chills. It was crazy. Dude, it's so, uh, it's so interesting. So I've dealt with quite a bit of suicide. My high school, uh, we had multiple kids in our class commit suicide, a lot of my good friends have mental health issues, so I see this a lot. And, you know, something that I think is so just no one pays attention to is little acts of kindness. You know, just if you see someone who's hurting, just talking to them and trying to help them out. Like literally this morning, I walked into my favorite breakfast spot, La Taza, and I could just tell one of the waitresses something was up. You know, her her eyes looked a little glossed over. She just looked distraught incredibly distraught so I tried to cheer her up and I don't know if it helped or not but just little things like that can have such a uh, such a snowball effect you know if you can just make a little difference in someone's day I think that could be a, a big way to help make people feel important yeah yeah just show a little love you know a little uh, that they're not alone 
Yeah. I love it. Right? I agree. I don't know why it's very difficult. I feel like it's something that we always have to constantly remind ourselves. Like so many people are dealing with mental illness. It's, it's. I feel like everybody's dealing with something. Yeah. Some kind of insecurity that they're trying to overcome. Definitely. Yeah. Man, I love that. That's a... Uh, that's some wise advice. Yeah, it's uh, people have problems. That's what you got to realize. You got to get outside your own head. That's what I tell people in spin class. You know, everyone's deep in their own head. Am I having a heart attack? Did I drink enough water? Did I eat enough? Am I going fast enough? Is my resistance up high enough? Are people watching me? And I'm like, guys, this is about the, that's why a community is so important. Get out of your head. Think about the person next to you. Do it for them. You know, do it for a higher power than yourself. Yeah. You like that? I that's gonna be the sound bite of the episode. <laughs> 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 no, dude, that's spot on. That's hitting the nail on the head right there. I mean, like you can tie it to being selfish, but everybody's in their own head at some point. When they first wake up, do I look pretty enough? Am I good looking enough? Are my abs showing today? Did I gain a few pounds? Does this shirt match these pants? Should I wear a tie today? Should I not wear a tie? I mean, all these little decisions that we have to make, and I know that's getting a little a little far out there, but it affects our attitude. And if you can not care as much, which is, I think, easier said than done, maybe life could be a little simpler. That's deep. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty deep. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that was pretty deep. I saw an amazing quote earlier today. Uh, it was in the mission on the side of one of the mission. It might have been a preschool or an elementary school. And it basically said, if you have pride, you can never be humiliated. And this was right on the wall of the school. And I think that that was just so empowering for these little kids to just be prideful, whoever you are, you know, everyone's got their issues. Just have, own it. You know, you're who you are. And if you own it, own it. Yeah. I'm nervous before every spin class. I can't sleep the night before sometimes. Who cares? You know, it's just the way it is. That's hard to believe. I'm anxious before uh, coming on the podcast, but you know, you get here and you just, you go for it and you have fun and that's all you can do. We're owning it. You own it. Man, I'm inspired. I have too. I'm going to book a trip. I'm yes. Get, okay, so the topic of traveling, bringing it back yes. to that. So it is a priority. I'm giving myself a deadline at the end of May to place a purchase on a plane ticket to wherever that destination is. Right now it's Thailand has been in the talks. Ja- Japan. <laughs> Japan. Japan. <laughs> 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 or uh, like somewhere in Africa. I'm trying to climb Kilimanjaro. Oh. That's on the bucket list. What uh? When are you looking to do this trip? So I know you want to book it in May. Book it in May, go for December. Oh, have I, something to look forward to. I'm part of the tribe, so us Jews don't necessarily have much to do on Christmas Day <laughs> other than eat Chinese food and watch movies. Yeah. So Christmas to New Year's is like the perfect time to travel, hmm. at least for me. Um, Let's talk more about that offline. I'd love to meet up with you somewhere. I feel like Japan near december could be a really good fit well now that you bring that up what are the what are the next steps for you're you're going on some crazy life life adventure so down the line i've been thinking a lot about travel and i've kind of mapped it out 
So once I get to a point where I'm comfortable before I end up, you know, getting married, whenever that is, I would love to get some world travel under my belt. And there's certain places I need, you know, I just like, I have to, I have to see. Order some of the spots. I need to go to Africa. Africa? Like yeah. rural Africa or like South Africa? It's more about the people. So it, it doesn't really matter where. It's just like a, an understanding of what life is like and the people. So whether that's Ghana, whether that's Kenya, whether that's, you know, Rwanda, whatever it is, just I want to just connect and just have a better understanding because right now I'm, I don't have it. Yeah. It's probably a different world out there. And this is, this is what I'm missing out on. Right. Asia, China's economy is, you know, so close to the size of ours. Um, and I've never been there. You know, how can I understand this other superpower that's equivalent to us if you've never been there? Japan, more technologically advanced than us. I've never seen it. I've never experienced it. How can I talk intelligently about it? You know, there's so much we got to see. Plus, you can just have some fun. Go to Australia, have the time of your life, New Zealand. I mean, the world is enormous. Antarctica, like you were talking about before. <laughs> Let's send it. Let's send it, dude. World trip, six months. Let's go. <sighs> so that, that would be my plan. Put it on the goal list. Yes, a six-month trip at some point. Put it on the goal list. Two months in Africa, two in Europe, two in Asia would be the dream. Wow. I'm fired up. Let's go, baby. Going on Travelocity right after this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you say we uh, start wrapping this up and ask some rapid-fire questions? Let's do it. Okay. First rapid-fire question. What is the most recommended book that you would give to a friend? Own the Day. Wow. What book is that? Have you heard of it? No. So uh, it's incredible. It's an incredible book, um, and it has all different. The reason I like giving it is because it's life advice on a variety of topics, and everyone who reads it has some takeaways from it. So strength training, sleep, um, health, sex, whatever it is, this book touches on all of it. Okay, put it in the Amazon cart. Own the day. I've actually gifted it to quite a few people. Own the day. That's kind of like the motto, too. That's that's our motto. Own the day. I say win the day. And you spell out win. What's important now? Oh. Win the day. I love that. I wrote that on my bathroom mirror. And wow. I want to give a shout out to my buddy Julian. He he told me about it. J-Dog. J-Sams. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep the rapid fire going. Yeah, next, I like rap this. next rapid fire question. If you can host a dinner party... And you can invite anybody imaginable. Who would you invite? What would you make? And why? Oh, I love that. Obama. I think he's fascinating. Love to just have have a night with this man. Uh, what I'd make? My go-to, spaghetti and meatballs. Wow. You, Obama, and spaghetti and meatballs. Right? <laughs> I'm inviting myself. Dude, yeah. That sounds lovely. Man. That's it? That's the party? Yeah. <laughs> All right. You no, know, well, let's, let's, we can dig in a little bit more. I, I personally, as the host of the podcast, and when I ask that question, it bugs me out when people don't take advantage of that question. I feel like there's a well, lot you, that could be said. I have some more thoughts if you want to dig in a little more. Yeah, like what's the appetizer? What are, oh. you, what are you having a drink? Okay, good. Are we playing music? Or are we oh, having, this is great. In, are we having intense conversation? This is perfect. All right, so this is what happens. It's a little different. We're not having spaghetti meatballs anymore. 
Okay. I thought it was rapid fire, so we couldn't dig it. So here, I mean, yeah, rapid fire, rapid fire. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. All right. Dinner, <laughs> dinner with Obama. Obama gets dropped off at my house in the mission. Limo, whatever it is, dropped off. Then me and Obama start hanging out, shooting the shit. We walk down the street to La Taqueria, the best burrito spot in the world. We've talked about it. I'm already drooling. Obama also probably has always wanted to go, definitely on his radar. We go in there, we order, we sit down, we're sip eating some chips, their homemade salsa, having the time of our life. Obama's telling stories. I'm laughing. I'm not providing too much value, but I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starstruck at this point. And, uh, you know, the whole, the whole restaurant ends up joining in. We get our El Dorado-style burritos. Obama has a moment where his eyes roll back in his head, and he goes, oh. Sam, you changed my life. It's the best <laughs> bite of anything I've ever had. <laughs> it would be great. Dude, that would be, be so much fun. Wow. Now I'm definitely inviting myself. Yes. Man, that's a party. <laughs> it's a party, man. All right. Last rapid fire question. We're going to bring it back to the premise of the podcast. This is called Only Half the Story for two reasons. Could you guess why the first reason? Your name. My hey, last Haft. name is Haft. <laughs> Boom. Let's go. Fits right in. And second, we're talking to passionate people as they're in the pursuit of achieving their goals and dreams. And I want to underline the pursuit word because I think oftentimes we listen to these conversations and the featured guest is this quote-unquote crazy successful individual and they have this grand story to tell on how they got to where they are with a prescription. If you do this, you'll be like me. But I want to reverse engineer that concept and really take people who are on the pursuit and extremely passionate about what they set out to achieve and dig out the tangible steps and learning lessons along the way. So with that being said, Sam, thank you so much, so, so much for being a part of Only Half the Story podcast. And the last rapid fire question, how do you want to put your stamp on the universe? Mm. You know... You always want to leave it much better than the way you came to it. Um, the way I like to live is when you're sitting at your deathbed and you have a crew around you, they're just laughing and just having the best times reliving stories from you. And people remember the way you make them feel. So that's the most important. It's not what you do. It's the way you make people feel. Boom. Drop the mic after that. I love it. Mic drop. Well, once again, man, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. And there you have it, chapter 40. Put it in the bank with the one and only Sam Kahan. If you are feeling this episode and you are digging this podcast, please like, subscribe, share this with the universe. You might as well. It's all gone to charity. My name is Andrew Haft. This is Only Half the Story Podcast, and we will see you next time.